What do you do when you're facing challenges to remember that God is all there is? How do you apply spiritual principle in the real world? What are your daily spiritual practices? These are the kinds of questions we'll talk about in this show. Your hosts, Leslie and Tracy, will share their experiences, but also want to learn from your insights, your questions, and your suggestions. So, don't just listen in. Call us with your comments. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. I'm Tracy and... I think I have Leslie somewhere, maybe not. Okay, so um, I'm Tracy, and Leslie will be joining us in just a second. Um, so uh, welcome to Say Yes to Spirit. Our theme this week is age, and who knows where we'll go with that. Every week we pick a theme, and we pick them a group at a time at random and just drop them into the, into the process, and... Uh, who and we never know what's going to come up. So we, what we do know for sure is that everything, anything that we could possibly talk about, is in alignment with spirit. And saying yes to spirit has something to do with our uh, navigating that topic or theme, or understanding that topic or theme, and living a life that works. So today our topic is age and. Uh, the goal of the show is always to be very much focused on how saying yes to spirit shows up in our lives, how saying yes to spirit helps us live a life that we each love and that serves the entire uh, community or the entire world in a positive way. So um, before we do that, before we get into our theme this week, which is age, we always like to connect the dots. Now, let me correct that. It is not that we always like to connect the dots. <laughs> it's not a we thing? No, this is called when, you're in a, when you are in relationship at work or in your personal mm. life, with uh-huh. someone, and you know that something is really important to them, and you could care oh, less, you just go wow. with them so that wow. they can have, that they can have a positive Should I say thank experience. you? Should I say thank you, Tracy, for letting me do Connect the Dots each week? Well, no, actually you shouldn't, because <laughs> I'm sure we have listeners now who are who find it just as important as you did. So for those of you who might be listening for the first time, what is this Connect the Dots that we're talking about? Connect the Dots is an opportunity or a challenge, depending on the week, for us to connect this set of, of spirit, connect this thing yesterday's spirit from our most recent theme in theme for today. So our most recent theme was diversity. Leslie is going to connect the dots between the theme of diversity and today's theme of age. There you go. I just feel like pressure now. The idea, uh, you know, when you think about the connected dots and trying to understand how it works in my mind and why I do get really excited about it, because I do look at that connecting the dots as kind of the, the whole idea of looking at the spread of God and everything and understanding how different things that maybe don't seem to be connected really do pull down to one common thread when we stop and look at it. Mm-hmm. That's why it's kind of fun for me to always stop and look at these things that may seem very um, contrary or different from one another. But this is, unfortunately, because I kind of like the challenge today, but it's a, sort of a simple one. There's a lot of age discrimination or, you know, people treating people differently because of their age. And and I used to hear a lot of people that I tend to have older friends and that they would talk about, you know, not being able to get jobs because of their age. And now I'm kind of at that age where I can't get a job because of my age, right? Right. It's <laughs> diversity of accepting all ages. And uh, so the idea that... Um, you know, looking at age as a defining 
trait versus just a package of the whole. And I think I guess that's some of the things I was thinking about even after we did the diversity show is, you know, how we look at different pieces of people and make um, stories up about those pieces and it keeps us from seeing the whole. And I think sometimes age can fall into that category. I'll put a, my mother is 89. And if I just think about what an 89-year-old is, that's very different than how my mother's living her life. So I can have a story about an 89-year-old until I really get to know an 89-year-old, and then I'm like, oh, my story's not right at all. So it's kind of a, it's an easy thing to fall into if I allow myself. There it is. Bam. 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 Connect the dots for today. So great. Thanks. We're going to take a little bit of a break, about a one-minute break, and then we'll be back on Say Yes to Spirit, talking about age. You're listening to Say Yes to Spirit with Tracy and Leslie. So glad you've joined us to get today. So, you know, what is age and is it just a number or how does that number affect our lives? And does wisdom come with age? Were you raised to revere or ignore the elderly? All of these are questions that we can talk about today as we explore this topic of age and what saying yes to spirit has to do with it. You know, it's so interesting to think about, as Leslie said in the Connect the Dots, when we are whatever age we are, the stories that we make up about people in other age groups. And it's almost natural for us to consider what we thought was old <laughs> when we were a teenager, for example, or, you know, 12 years old, and how old it seemed if someone was 30 or 40, you know, and then when you get 40, it's like 60 doesn't seem so old, <laughs> but 80 still does, mm-hmm. you know, so as we get older, it's kind of like the gap and what it means to be a certain age shifts, mm-hmm. it, it changes. So, um, should you say how old you are, Tracy? Would that be useful in this conversation? Oh, I don't know if it'd be useful <laughs> or not. But I never have had any any um, challenge around my age, and I am excited. In fact, now when people ask me my age, I say I am going to be sixty on my next birthday. So it's like I don't even say fifty. Wow. You've already claimed Right. It's like I am just ready for the next decade to begin. I know it's going to be fabulous. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, so I I don't have any challenge with that. This is what going to be 60 on my next birthday looks like. (laughs) Looks good. There you go. There you go. You know, um, I am... I got a. I'm on Louise Hayes' email list, and apparently she just turned late 80 something. I forget 87, 88, something like that. At least. And uh, 
she kind of outlined the last 20 years of her life. And she started Hay House, which is a very amazing publishing company, and started writing her books and started doing, you know, creating the Louise Hay that we all know when she was 62. So that was really fascinating, and that kind of threw my little thing on the side, you know, my little story on the side, you know, like, wow. I mean, you know, she's Louise Hay, but like... But when she was 35 when or she 40, was 52, she was she not Louise, Louise Hay. Yeah, 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 or even 52 or 58. And so that, again, kind of showed me where my story is. And my stories are so interesting and intricate. So compelling. And so compelling that they're just hard to even, you know, because they're just so interesting. And, but <laughs> it's like, oh, that's a story, isn't it? It's all it, a story. And it makes such sense. My stories make sense. Other people's stories are just crazy. And I can look at it pretty clearly and go, oh, that's just crazy. But my stories, I think, make sense. Well, you know, it is, and it is fascinating to me how we do make assumptions and how we're socialized to believe certain things about what you should have done by this age. Like I remember in my 20s, you know, saying it, how, not just saying, but feeling how important it was to me to be a homeowner before the age of 30. Hmm. And, you know, I can look back now and I can understand why that felt so important to me and why that felt like a milestone to me and a, you know, both an internal and external measure of success in the world. And it wasn't just financial, you know, it was partially that, but it wasn't just financial. You know, and I can look back and think and, and see some real clear indicators that, you know, I went, I went through a little shock when I left for graduate school, and really so, kind of after that, because when you're in college, you expect to live on campus or, you know, or you, you might have an apartment if you're living away from home. But um, to me, living in the dorm was not like living on my own. I'm, mm. a, I'm a college student. You know, this is like what the deal is. But after grad school, then when I had to actually rent an apartment and all of that, it just felt like, oh, because I grew up in a family home that was, you know, owned. We didn't rent. We owned it like we paid the bank every month, right? There you go. But the idea of homeownership. Yes. No one had ever told me you should buy a house, but it's like I had always grown up in a house. I didn't really know anything else. And this whole idea of apartments, you know, it was like, oh, I can't wait till I'm 50 to do this. You know, that was like my one of my top priorities, that before the age of 30 I would have saved enough money have a down payment to buy a home. And I did, did at the age yeah. of 29. Oh. That's perfect. Yeah. 29 Five. and 10 months, I had a home. Well, kind of. There you go. Yeah, at uh, 29 years and five months, I had not only a home, but a home that was new, built yeah, new. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh -huh. we were the first people to live in that Oh, we. Did you have a husband, at, too, then? At the time. Oh, there you go. And, um... Yeah, so it's interesting. So you had the dream by 30, right? Right. It was like 30 was like it must happen before mm. then. Mm -hmm. And and most of my life I was always the youngest in whatever crowd I was in or whatever work environment I was in. Mm -hmm. I was typically two to five years younger than the, my cohort, mm -hmm. the people I was, you know, working with or in class with. So... I I don't know. I just I guess I have this kind of mixed message about age. And in the black community, our elders were revered. I mean, you mm. did not dare disrespect. Mm. You know, you might do all kinds of things, but as soon as someone who was like grandparent age mm. turned the corner or walked in the room, you stood up straight. You went into yes, ma'am, no, sir, mm. and. A, a quieter demeanor and their wisdom was like you'd never questioned it. If you disagreed with it, you didn't say it. Mm -hmm. You just respectfully allowed them to like rule the roost. So there was a lot of respect for age and being the youngest all the time, you know, I kind of felt that age 
didn't necessarily define what you could do or what you should be doing because I was never with my group, my peer group by age. So I really believed, oh, it doesn't matter that I'm younger. If I have the information, the resources, the talent, the skill, then I'm going to be allowed to do this, whatever it is, because I'm good at what I do or I can show up or I can learn it. So I, I don't know. I'm kind of a mixed, mixed message person around age. You know, um, you said something about the older people being revered or respected, and it's funny to me just by we do that, and it seems to be just by definition because they're old. So we have this thinking that there's some wisdom that goes with simply having reached a certain age of living. And I, when you said that, I stopped and I thought, well, is that necessarily true? And I think. A lot of times it is, simply time passing, understanding, you know, watching the pattern of a lifetime gives us a certain amount of um, perspective and detachment and wisdom. For most people. Yeah, for For most most people. But um, I was thinking about the years that I worked in hospice. Um, Most of the people were dying of old age. I didn't... um, Seemingly, most we we didn't have an adolescent or children's uh, license, so the, you know most of our people and most of them weren't cancer survivors. Most of the families that I worked with, they were older adults, and so they were dying of quote unquote natural, what we would call natural, but they were older, and it was fascinating to watch how some did really have a perspective and a wisdom. The the dying. And that kind of brought the the dying brought that more uh, more more bigger. Is that the right word? <laughs> more present. I can't I can't think. Was it yeah? More bigger, more bigger, more brighter. More <laughs> just present, more or present. It just became more. This was it, it was became more expressed. More expressed. Bigger. Yes. More. More. Okay. Just more. I guess just I should more. just stop with more. It just became more. And um, on the opposite side of that, if they weren't very, didn't have much perspective, didn't have much intuition, didn't have much perspective, that became more as well. It's like whatever their life experience had been, it's not as if they shifted into this spiritual being because they were dying. And I always, you always hear stories about that. Well, suddenly I'm a spiritual being because I'm dying. But it becomes you kind of become just more of what you had been. And so I guess to me I took away the idea that, you know, it's about living the life in the here and now and learning the things as we're going forward and not kind of expecting something to happen when I get old or expecting something that if I have something that, it occurs externally that it's going to trigger that I have to have some sort of internal knowing of myself that kind of guides me, if that makes sense. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. And um, Except for the more better part. I don't think that made much sense. But the rest of it I'm good with. <laughs> yeah, and I, I mean, for me, one of the lessons I learned in a several ways when I was young was around age two that about this waiting, like you were saying, mm-hmm. that, that really when you get older or when it's time for you to transition from physical life to eternal life, um, that who you have been gets magnified. Right. It just, it, you're, yeah, it, it's who you have been shows up in more magnified ways and and a lot of messages around you're not guaranteed to be quote unquote old. You're not guaranteed that you will live seven decades, eight decades, ten decades. Ninety two. You know, that you never um that there is no guarantee. And I know I got that I got that message from race from race-related, race and ethnicity-related stories, because if you lived passionately for good, you could be killed. Kennedy, both the Kennedys, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X. I mean, if you Mm -hmm. really stood for something, Mm -hmm. 
don't necessarily expect to live long, mm-hmm. a long life. Mm-hmm. And uh, but in my family, my dad had four heart attacks when in his forties. And wow. you know, this was before the the age of open heart surgery and bypasses and stents and all of the stuff that we almost take for granted today. Mm-hmm. Right. So he had four heart attacks that I. At least that's to, in my memory. My sisters might tell me I made that up, but <laughs> stick with your memory. But my memory says that he had four heart attacks before the eight, or while he was in his forties, and so you know I was seven years old when he had his first heart attack, and it really that and the changes that came as a result of that had a huge impact on me re- related to age. And knowing that, um, you know, kind of like you don't, like when if people would say, yeah, I'm working really hard for 25 years or for 35 years, and then when we retire, we're going to mm-hmm. do, you know, go on and travel the country. Because back then people weren't saying travel the world, mm-hmm. not really. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, or then I'll do whatever, volunteer. And I, from a very young age, had a sub-message in my head. No, because there's no guarantee you're going to get to retirement. You need to choose to do things you can do or that you really, really want to do when you can do them. Right. And that it doesn't mean you don't ever have to plan for retirement or plan for how your life might be, but the way your life is when you're 70 is based on the way your life is when you're 20 yes. or 30 yes. or 40. Yes. So, so I, I, yeah, I just, I've not, I've never thought I'll live forever, you know, so I never really had this immortality thing that a lot of young people have, and I never had this idea that you had to do specific things in specific decades, unless it was something like me buying the house. So I was very clear, it wasn't society's message, that was my inner direction of this is something that's important mm-hmm. to me, for me. And I never analyzed it beyond that. But I, I was clear, it wasn't that society says you should own a home because I didn't know hardly anybody who owned their own, who had a mortgage under the age of 30. Personally, I mm-hmm. didn't know very many people that applied to. I just wasn't going to rent for the rest of my life. Ha. <laughs> time, time, time. Things change with time. Yeah, now I have no story around renting versus owning versus, it's like they both have pros and cons, and they both have reasons to do and not do, and I'm I'm not attached to either way. Right. Isn't that nice? But at 25, I was really attached. Really attached. Mm-hmm. You know, I clearly can remember in my 20s thinking I would never live to be 30. Oh, I Yeah. Just, I just had this sense that I would be dead before I ever turned 30. I can so remember just being shocked, walking around on my 30th birthday going, surely this is the day. <laughs> Get hit by a Mack truck. It's been good. I can't, I can't live till midnight. And so I don't know what that was about. That's so strange. And ever since then, I don't ever recall. It's like my age surprises me. When I hear myself say I'm 51, I'm like, who's that? Who's that? How could that be? Because I have this story in my head that 51 is old. But I'm not old. I don't have that, you know, I don't have, there's nothing. I I think it's interesting because now I feel like I'm, I've always felt like I'm somewhere between 30 and 33. And so for, in 30 the, and 33, not 35. Not 35 or 34. Not nope. but 30, 30 and 33. Uh-huh. That's always just kind of where, if somebody asked me how old I was, I would say 33. How old I feel, how old I think I am. Old, I mentally me, me, have in my mind. <laughs> mentally and emotionally. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, Tracy. <laughs> you want to say something good about me now? No. To balance off the thirty-three mm, was. Mm, mm, thirty-three. Mm, I was going to say thirty-three yes, was a great definitely. year for me. Was it? Yes. Um, and actually, that would be true. Mm-hmm. And now that I think back, what was uh-huh. I doing at thirty-three? Thirty-three is the year Jesus died. C thirty three when he died? Or did he start his ministry when he was thirty three? And he died when he was thirty six. 
There's something to that. I don't know what it is, but yeah. And your point is? I don't know. I'm just saying there's some connection that I have to that, to that. But um, but I really do believe that the idea, now she's laughing at me, so that's okay. No, I'm laughing. Okay, but I'm that's laughing three. at you because sometimes you're Eckhart Tolle and sometimes you're Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> that's <what they> are. <laughs> It's a special gift. <laughs> and then when you're not either of those two, you turn into Oprah. Oprah. Oh, it's like, <laughs> there you go. Okay. There you go. There's this if you ever us, want to understand Leslie. All of us and all of us. Right. If you ever need to understand Leslie, mm-hmm. it's okay. Is she coming from her Edgar Tolley sense? There you go. Her Jesus sense or her <laughs> Oprah sense? And if it's none of those three, then you have in Leslie in the wrong. You're in right? trouble. You're in big trouble. It's the emotional Leslie, and you know and nobody wants that. Um, but there is something. I think the internal clock plays a huge thing. My uncle, my mother had a twin brother, who his entire life said, "I'm going. I won't live longer than Daddy." And my mother's father died of a heart attack when he was 61. My uncle had been on a cruise, perfectly healthy, was home. His wife was actually giving him a foot rub. Fell over dead, 61. And he had really programmed that. I will never live longer than Daddy. I won't live longer than Daddy. And so I think there's a really interesting, and, you know, we talk about affirmations and thinking. And I heard a a talk once, I don't know who it was, but said, you know, we have so many little things we say about that that are actually affirming our physical state of mind. Oh, that just breaks my heart. Yes. Oh, that just hurts me. Oh, that, you know, and, and when you stop and you think about these little phrases that we say so casually or in response to, and if you believe, if we believe really that our thoughts and our language and what we speak, we're manifesting, you know, even these little things that we say. because well, we say them over and over, over and over as again. fact. Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't think we mean them, but mm-hmm. we say them as fact. They're declarative mm-hmm. statements. Mm-hmm. And we say them over the course of our lives so much that our subconscious and every system in our body mm-hmm. is programmed by them. So anyway, I can think about, you know, when I'll get really distressed and depressed, I'll say, I just want to die. I just want to die. Stop saying that, Leslie. I don't want to die. I am alive. But, you know, I can remember times in my life when that was my, you know, that was my mantra almost, you know. Just didn't have the courage to kill myself, but just take me, you know. And so um, I do think there is something to, to that idea of looking at, the messages about our physical well-being and how how we kind of project either what our age means in terms of how long I get to live or what in terms of how how the quality of my life is going to be as I age, the physical quality of my life. Do all people get old and get dementia? You know, I think there's a lot not of me. language around that. <laughs> and uh, that is just not not true. Well, and wouldn't it be fabulous if we made the shift to, um, you know, there with Facebook and YouTube and and Twitter to some degree and Instagram with all of our social media me- methods nowadays, you know, there'll be someone who is touted as like such a great example of an exception. So uh, someone who's older, who's very healthy or fit, mm-hmm. someone who is older, who is engaged in especially physical activity, mm-hmm. more so than even charitable activities. It's kind of like that has become a norm in our cultural consciousness that as you get older you have time to retire and you do things in the community and, mm-hmm. you know. That's kind of, that's become our cultural consciousness, which, you know, if you think about it, 50 years ago or 75 years ago wasn't probably the norm because the grandparents and the great-grandparents were, I mean, it was more agricultural or more rural, and either they were still working or they were caring for the children so the folks in their 30s and 40s could work. They weren't out just doing community stuff. But now that's kind of the norm. Mm-hmm. And 
Now it's all around physical fitness and mental fitness and health. So, you know, when I, a few weeks ago, I saw the latest stories on Ernestine Shepherd, who is now 77, and about four years ago she came to the forefront of visibility because she is a, an award-winning bodybuilder. She runs marathons as part of her, she's not marathons, 26 miles, but she runs as part of her training. She, you know, has the body, if you, you know, look from the chin down and saw her body, you'd think it was somebody in their 20s or maybe 30s who's in amazing condition. Mm. And she teaches yoga to senior citizens, and um, but she competes. At 77, she's still competing. This picture that I saw of her a few weeks ago was, you know, her latest title, and she goes on national What's her name again? Ernestine Shepherd. Ernestine. That's an old person's name. And How horrible she, is that to say? That's go horrible, ahead. but anyway. I was not going to comment <laughs> on it. And so, you know, it's funny. What if instead of seeing her as the exception, exception yes. we created yes. that this is, more normative, and maybe it's not exactly her level of fitness, but that, you know, you can be 77 and you're still very active physically and you have a fit body. Mm -hmm. And and it's just amazing. Or the woman, the video that was going around for a while on Facebook a few months ago of a woman who was in her 80s or 90s and she was doing ballroom dancing, you mm. know, with, you know, nice. and doing exhibitions more uh-huh. so than competing. Uh-huh. But at many of the ballroom dance competitions, she was being hired to come and do an, do exhibition, you know, with the dancer. And, I mean, literally, you know, listen, being spun around in the air and and dancing like fast ballroom dancing, the Latin dances and it's like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, the question is why do we make that the exception? And since I'm channeling Jesus today I have a biblical question. Didn't people in like Moses' time live for hundreds of years? Am I making that up? So, you know, I try not to respond anytime you do the biblical story piece. I but didn't people back in back in the day, didn't they live hundreds of years? No. But are you sure? I Okay. The reason I try not to respond to your references to the Bible or Jesus is because we have already established on our program several times that we recognize the Bible was written by people hundreds of years after the times that are described uh-huh. and that it's written as a, as an allegory. Mm-hmm. It's written in a, from a metaphysical point of view to create a point and to make you think, and it's not literal. <laughs> but that, that could and be so literal if the people hundreds lived hundreds of years. Of years people didn't really could live. be metaphorically, they live a long time. Like the Aramaic would say they live a long, they lived a long, long life. And we know, for example, in the U.S., that, you know, 55 or 60 was old. Back a generation and a half ago. Mm-hmm. Our average, our, the average age or longevity was in the late 40s or to mid-50s. But as our technology has increased and improved, we now say our average age is in the 70s, I think, 71 or 69 or something like that. So it's not so unusual for people to live into their 90s, and that's going up. Don't try to divert off the question. So no, if, so, so if, is it, but doesn't, aren't there people in the Bible, even if it's so not, when you talk even if we don't like consider Methuselah, it literally? <laughs> again, the, if you, we went back to the Aramaic. No, I'm talking about like the disciples or, you know, that, no, they didn't live in, no, Moses no, didn't live in the hundreds. 30s and 40s. Moses didn't live. And so. Abraham. Age, Abraham. Did he live in the hundreds? If you go back to the Aramaic, yes. the original, yes. it never says 
100. It never has the number. That's a number that we use in interpretation uh-huh. so that it makes sense of if someone lived to be 500 years yes, old. Yes, come on. Then we have to look at that differently, like what were they doing? Yeah. So you're saying no, that that didn't even, there's no that, hint of that in the I'm Bible? I'm saying that the message. The Abraham, a Abraham people? <laughs> I'm saying that the message of the Bible is longevity and the message of the Bible is you will have a longer and better life if you follow these guidelines that are presented. But any place that there is a specific number mm-hmm. that we have to be cautious before we look at it literally. So there are even people, like you were talking about, you know, Jesus and his age, you know, there are people that say, well, if we look at the numbers exactly as they are, then what happened to him from being 12 years old to being in his 30s? And, you know, was he really traveling? And was he, you know, there are there's a whole group of people who say he spent part of that time studying um, Buddhism and studying the Eastern religions and there are people who say he spent some of that time in Africa and that he was exposed to all of the universal principles of God and that's what gave him, you know, the ability to come back for three years and make such an impact. And he was younger than some of the disciples and older than some of them. So uh, anything that's specifically a number, you'll, you'll probably... I, won't, I hate to say never, but mm-hmm. it's very unlikely that I would actually respond with a yes or a no or an agreement with a number around age. But it is a fascinating phenomenon that the age, the idea of age seems to create a boundary or a box that we therefore live in. Like you're saying, we say it's, we say it's the exception at the ballroom dance. We say it's the exception the marathon runner. So... If we could shift in, in that our, in our current mindset, mm-hmm. so if that was shifted, even if that was shifted within, like I'm um, a believer, you know, we have this huge set of ideas that we have to die of something versus we can just be die. ready to go and lay down and transition. So the, the sense of age does seem to be sort of this collective uh, agreement. Well, yeah, I think it absolutely is, and, and each society kind of defines that by what we say we value and how we treat people. And, you know, when I was growing up, it was very, very rare, you know, quote-unquote nursing homes or retirement mm-hmm. homes, very, very rare, um, especially in the black community. And it wasn't really a financial it was beyond a financial thing. Took care of your own. Right. You, you, it was family, and right. families had grown up with multiple generations in the same household. John Boyce. For decades and decades and decades. Mm-hmm. And so there was a judgment. You sent one of your old people away. <laughs> I mean, there was a judgment <laughs> about, yeah, about the continuity right. of life. Right. Of, of this family being all of the generations mm-hmm. and and you know even people who could easily afford mm-hmm. you know they they might they might spend the money on having full-time care so that the parent or grandparents could stay in their own home and have assistance but they would never or hardly ever it was less, very much less common to you know say well it's time to sell you know, trying to sell mom's house, and we found a nice home for her to live in. And now it's kind of like in the 21st, early 21st century in the U.S. That's the norm culturally, even though I think there are still ethnic communities and not just communities of color. I think there are still ethnic communities where that's frowned upon or not the norm. The community of my mother that would be found upon. <laughs> the idea that we would send her to a home. It would be definitely be ascending to a home. That we, you know, we are to care for her in her home, which is 
which is traditionally right. Yes, and that's that will happen with with uh, my mom. She will she will die in place, as they say in hospice. That's what hospice is about. Or I think one of the reasons hospice was created was to help people die in place, wherever place they were when they you know began the journey, that they didn't have to go to a hospital or go off somewhere. And I think it does still tear at a lot of people's hearts when, you know, for, well, I can even use my own example. I mean, there was no intention of any kind for my stepmother mm. to be in in a home. Um, but as she continued to age, mm. she was falling. Mm-hmm. Um, she was um, having... You know, she'd have to go safety. to the hospital, and it, right, and it was all about the safety. Yes. And she did not want to move in with her biological daughter, who was living in the same city. She didn't want to move to Texas and live with me. And I have to say that even in the last couple of years, um, even living in the home of one of us. She would not have been. It would. It would not have been safe, right, for her mm-hmm. to to do that. Mm-hmm. Even having someone living with her, mm-hmm. she needed to have nursing care, right. um, really twenty four seven, and and I guess to some degree, if finances allowed, and you really could afford to have twenty four seven nursing care, not just someone living mm-hmm. in the house, but nursing care then that makes sense. But it it was actually, it was a challenging decision. And luckily, she didn't, my stepmother, she didn't like the decision, but she still had her mental capability. And it really, it was her choice. I mean, she was in in a very interesting place, and I'm glad it was modeled for me in, in that she knew that was the best decision, and she was devastated emotionally of being that um, unable to be independent and emotionally devastated that, you know, the day when she said the words, I know now that I will never go, I will never see my house again. I will never see my home again. That's actually what she said. And it just, like, you're now you're depressing me, making me feel old. Oh, but it was it was depressing and challenging <laughs> at the moment, and it was also terribly inspiring because so many people you hear their stories of having to fight with their mother, grandmother, you know, father, cousin, brother. Um, but she knew that that was the option and that that's what had to happen, and seeing the you know, the separation actually occurred was hard. And so for three years she was in a in a home, and unfortunately it wasn't one of the best homes. It wasn't a good story. Mm. And to watch her decline. Can you make me feel worse now as the story goes on? Um, like, no, you don't have to not, feel worse. Huh? You could just see it as an <laughs> allegory like when you read the Bible. It's just a story. It's just an example to make a point. So actually what that does lead me to is this whole idea of, so as we navigate these different ages that we all find ourselves in, how does saying yes to spirit help us navigate the changes that come with each decade of life? Well, see, since I see myself as 33, I don't see any changes. I mean, yes, I don't know. The strange phenomenon. I just don't see. I mean, I know how old I am, but I don't really. I don't. I don't. I don't conceive it. Um, but I, I do think that um, you know, people will say, "I feel young again." That phrase, "I feel young again." So, what is that? What am I doing that makes me feel young again? How do I do more of that? That would certainly be spirit. Is it, you know, by finding a volunteer effort, or by finding something I feel passionate about, or by finding a new a new energy source that, you know, allows me to connect with that natural energy source. So how do I how do I stay in that flow of oneness 
where there really is no time. You know, what is that? I think that's the Bible, too. Doesn't it say it's timeless in the Bible? But well, anyway. It's timeless. And the quote, the scripture that came Thank to you. me there you go. Uh, as you were talking mm-hmm. was, be, be ye renewed by the renewing of your mind. And, um, you know, be ye renewed by renewal in spirit. Be right. ye renewed by your knowledge and application of, of spiritual principle. Um, and at the end of the day, if I am in that space, if I am if I am in that renewed, you know, awakened state, and my body has gotten to a point that I'm falling and I can't, you know, care for myself, then that awakened state is going to have a, a, a an understanding that this is a human part of the experience and I'm going to go joyfully to that place where these horrible people are going to take care of me. <laughs> That's what, you know, just having, I've seen a lot of sad people working at those places. So, um, but you know that my internal state would be such that whatever um, external experience or physical experience is happening, that I wouldn't I wouldn't get caught up in that as my truth, that I would stay in that place of knowing, you know, remembering, being awakened to this joyful essence within all of us. The gift gift of life itself at any age in any form, um, absolutely. And I do think, I, I do believe that my stepmother was in that, in that space because she was she had a very strong religious mm-hmm. um, foundation right. and she lived it and she read her Bible every day and all of that you know before even before this so there was no transformation um, and I think for the most part yeah even in bad conditions she for the most part knew that she was a child of God and this did not define her mm-hmm. um, at least for the, you know, I think the first two years. I think the last, the very last year, she felt pretty beaten down and mm. and confused about, like, why haven't I died yet? You know, yeah. this should have been over by now. Yeah. Um, and But even in that sense, it wasn't that she was doubting God. She mm-hmm. was just like, okay, clearly, you know, I'm here. And she had a mindset around religion about suffering. You know that suffering oh dear. you're earning, oh dear. so you know. So in that sense, it was it was more acceptable than it probably would be for me, because I would be like, hey, no, I didn't sign up for suffering. Uh-uh, <laughs> love, let's go. But you know that's the curious thing. If you look at that in literal literal terms, she had that that belief, and so therefore she created something that she needed to to have experience before she could in her belief system transition to get to the streets of gold. So did that sound that sounded kinda of, but it, no, it's an interesting I, I mean, thing to it, stop and look at what is my belief. Right. And what an is my belief example and it goes back to what you said earlier, all the things we say right. that we are affirming are is are true. And it's almost an and automatic how does it show up. Yeah. Like I can't just lay down and die after right. something to die and, from. And um, so, but so other than death itself, because age is actually an outcome for all of us. I mean, death is an outcome for all of us, regardless of age. I mean, it's not always that you live to be ninety-five and then die. You could die at two or twelve, two hundred and ten, thirty-three. And I mean, since no matter what age you are when you die, you'll be thirty-three. I know. I feel like that. I'm just saying, if I'm around, 33. if I'm still uh-huh, here and uh-huh. your physical body passes, uh-huh. I am standing up <laughs> and, and making the comment yes. that I know that you all are looking at <laughs> Leslie and you're thinking, but let me just assure you. She felt. She is only 33. 33. <laughs> and she will always be, she is the eternal 33. So as Reverend Dr. Oh, Petra eternal. Is, as Reverend Dr. Petra is doing her famous, I'm going to die before Reverend Petra. Her 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 um, sailboat thing. Her sailboat yeah. metaphor that mm-hmm. she's famous for, mm-hmm. and you know, 
wave, people waving goodbye and people waving welcome on the other shore. It's really very beautiful, but somehow I'll be going, oh, she's only 33. It's like, you know, <laughs> so I, that, I will find a way. That. Thank you, Tracy. I will find a way to make sure that your people, people understand, understand that, no, that you're not 85. Right, or no, you said 92. 92 yeah. That you're not really 92. Oh, if you're 92, I would See, be like Come on, 100. you can do it. No problem. I don't it's wanna, a mental. Actually, I don't want to. See, well, then you won't. I won't. So <laughs> I, if you're going to be 92. But there's a huge challenge in what are my underlying beliefs about age or my underlying beliefs about, you know, life's, life's um, trajectory and and how do I how do I get a hold of them before they get so cemented in my experience that I end up like your stepmom who... I, I'm always certainly, you know, it's difficult to hear that that last year of her life, the external situation was probably really difficult for you to watch. But when you step back from it just ever so slightly to see it as something that she needed to have happen for her to be able to do what she, you know, before she could let go of the human experience. Oh, yeah. No, I was, even in the moment, even Mm. during that time, I was aware of it. And about about two years in, I actually had a conversation with her about that. And, Mm -hmm. I mean, we just, we were really close. And we just had the kind of relationship that um, at one of my visits, I, I actually asked her, why did she think she was still here? I didn't ask it quite like mm-hmm, that, mm-hmm. but and you know, I, it was. But that was the base of the question. Like, what what was hers still that she still had left to do, or why did she, you know, why didn't she just release and let go? And you know, and the when we had the conversation earlier, like after maybe six months of her being, even before she was put in the home because she had been hospitalized like three times in nine months or something. And um, and so we kind of had that conversation, and and then we had it like six or nine months after she had been in um, the home, and it was Did about she have an answer? Year. Did she have an answer? Why? So originally, early her answers were really wrapped in, in religion and, you know, God is directing my path and, you know, Ooh, not, not ready for me yet, yet right, and right. blah, blah, blah. But, yeah, at the two-year end point when I had that conversation with her, because she had been in such pain and was having a hard time with the staff and was being ignored and was in danger and on oxygen. I mean, there were all these additional things that kept getting added. It's scary, me. Yeah, but go ahead. So and, what was your answer? And, it was, answer was. and when she finally said, Tracy, I really don't know. Ah. I'm, I've been ready to go for a, a while. I don't know why I'm still, why God is having me still be here or something like that. Mm. And it was painful for her to say mm-hmm. Um, but that was the point where I was like, okay, yeah. She she has come to her knowing as much as she can, and now it is what's unfolding is what she has said for decades about believing in suffering and and worthiness. You know, this mm. whole idea of when what makes me worthy mm, mm-hmm. to walk the streets of gold. And what do I have to do, like, to earn my way into heaven? Um, I, you know, I began in probably in those last six to nine months. It was like she actually is gone. Mm-hmm. And what she's experiencing now is just kind of the process of her beliefs unfolding to the point where she can, her physical body can lay itself down. And I think we all do that in, in our, like you said, in our subconscious um, affirmations as well, and our beliefs begin to show up about mm-hmm. death in this case, but at every age, that's what defines what we believe we are capable of doing, what we believe we are capable of having, what we believe we are capable of contributing. 
because there are a lot of people, you know, there's the, the cliche, and I, I wish I knew the source of the quote, but I don't. But the, the whole, you know, are you living the same year of your life 99 times, or are you living 99 <laughs> years? Ah, that's an interesting question. You know, are you are you locked into this is what a 50-year-old does, so that's what I'm going to do, or that's how I'm going to measure whether I'm successful or not. Or you locked into some, you know, that each year would be different because you're locked into a different belief pattern of what that year would be like, but you're still locked into the same belief pattern. So how does the belief pattern then open open up? How do, how do I see, um, you know, three years of my, since I'm being Jesus today, three years... When you think about his three years of teaching, did all this, right? So three years, bam. I or mean, as you said bam. earlier, Louise Hay, right. that she Starting. did a lot of things that were meaningful in her 40s and 50s, but to establish and show up in a way that makes her the Louise Hay we know now mm-hmm. over the last 25 years, and to start that, start that in her 60s. Uh-huh. You know, I, I think that that whole concept is why this whole concept is why I am excited to be 60. Yeah, it's like I just know it's going to be, be the, the black best. Louise Hay. Uh, okay. <laughs> we did not even have enough time for me to respond to that. I thought that was good. We, I, I'm just going to take a deep breath. That's good, Tracy. Um, but yeah, it's like I'm really clear. My the decade of being sixty in my sixties is going to be the best decade I've experienced so far. And I didn't feel that way about my fifties, and it's been <laughs> challenging. It's been that. It's, it's been what it's I been what you perceived it was right. going to be. And so it's like now. Oh. Do you recall in your forties? Was that a conscious perception? Actually, yes, it was, and my 40s were fabulous. Well, see, that's really good, and that's good news, and I guess that's what I, that's my whole thinking about all of this, and, you know, I was in a session with a woman this morning where this was the whole idea was <coughs> to become <coughs> conscious of what I'm doing. There's just such, instead of walking around looking at life being done to me to at least get in the consciousness that this is my consciousness. And if I don't like what's happening, you'll recreate a different consciousness. That that that, that flow, that opportunity to to remember to be awakened to simply be is always present. It just takes my participation on some level. Yes. And so if I can become conscious of the stories I'm telling, even though my stories are so intricate and so creative and so entertaining, did I say that earlier? Yeah. You know, that they're still stories. And we can make a new story. So we don't have to feel bad about the current story. Right. We can become aware of the current story. We can change. We can't change that part of the current story that's already occurred, but we can choose a new story in that story and believe that story and keep telling that story so it becomes what gets executed. And that is ageless. Our stories, our our how we define what's happening is not has nothing to do with age. Because I know some really old thirty year olds. You know, some people that are really young that are some living really in a mind twelve year olds. To living in a mindset of really old a you know, negative so it doesn't matter how old you are, it matters what story I'm telling. What story I'm telling myself. It's all about me. I. It doesn't matter what age I am. It matters the story I'm telling myself. Yes. And I'm having a happy story today. Good. In the flow story today. Fabulous. Thank you. <laughs> and that's all the time we have to talk about age. Hope you have enjoyed it and had some food for thought for your own story about age. And until we connect again, please. Connect. Connect. Love it. Connect again. Say yes Yes to to spirit. spirit.
ਆਪਾਂ